Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Sandy Almendares, Content Director. And welcome to a Healthy Insider podcast. I'm Sandy, and I am on site at the CRN annual workshop in Carlsbad, California. And I am excited to be sitting with Michael McBurney. Hi, Michael. Hi, Sandy. Thanks so much for joining us, Amina. Michael was just on stage talking about nu- measuring nutrients and how to how consumers can um, you know, take blood tests or saliva tests and measure the, the nutrient status that they have within themselves. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but first I'm going to give his bio. So he is a nutrition scientist who has led teams at DSM and Kellogg. He is the chair of the VitaScan Scientific Advisory Board and an adjunct professor in the Department of Human Health and Nutrition Sciences at the University of Guelph. He has academic appointments at Texas A&M University, the University of Alberta, the University of Toronto, Michigan State University, and Tufts University. He has published over 85 peer-reviewed papers, 10 book chapters, 36 proceedings and letters, and 103 technical abstracts. Is that that (laughs) current? (laughs) The the numbers are so precise. Um, So he's definitely got a lot of experience in this space in in supplement world and nutrition. So during your presentation, you talked about looking at nutrient status among individuals as bathtubs. Can you explain this analogy and how it describes how people should be thinking about the nutrients they consume? Sure, Sandy. I'll use the bathtub analogy because all of us have taken a bath and we all know that we want to have a comfortable amount of water in that bathtub. Um, I also think it's a nice analogy for our bodies and if we think about the water as being the amount of nutrients that we have in our body, in our bloodstream circulating to be available for our cells. Um, And so We want to have a bath that's not too low with just an inch or two because that's an awful bath and that's deficient. Mm -hmm. And we also don't want to have a bathtub that's overflowing um, because that's a mess and none of us want that. Um, But if we think every time I've taken a bath, the tub always leaks. So even though you're in this bathtub, you have to usually turn on the water Mm -hmm. at some point to keep replenishing that water. And so that water coming in is really think of it as our dietary intake and it are we eating sufficiently in vitamins or minerals um, or omega-3 fatty acids or lutein and zeaxanthin in order to maintain our bathtub at a really good level that is optimum for us and so we have dietary recommendations that are done for the average person and then the RDA is for to cover 97 and a half percent but what that's really is doing is saying we've looked at all the bathtubs or all the people in the country or a subset of them and we have said okay there's some big baths there's some huge jacuzzis there's some little tubs and we've said of all these bathtubs this is what they average on average leak and this is what on average we need for a water inflow and so that's then the recommendation that's made for us well as we go to different places or or have a bath in different tubs we know that if we just set the faucet to the same place all the time 
it might not work for us. Right. And so what I was trying to, and I'm encouraging us to do, is to start thinking about how do we measure that water level in our bathtub or that vitamin um, or EPA and DHA level in our body. So we can, right? So there are t blood tests that we can do. You can go to the doctor and get your vitamin D status. So you'll, you can um, do your blood glucose monitoring at home. But yet personalized nutrition, I still feel, is not that widely used uh, among consumers. Um, so why, why, what's the hindrance here? So the hindrance really is, in my opinion, a lack of access. So let's use vitamin D because you can go to your doctor and say, I really want to know, I'm worried about my vitamin D. Um, and they have to write a prescription. They'll send you to a lab. You'll go to that lab. There'll be a vein of punctures that will take blood. It will be sent to a centralized lab. And then the result comes back and it's sent to your doctor. And then hopefully the, that gets relayed to you as a patient. There may have been a copay to see the doctor. There may have been a copay um, to see the to, to go to the lab. Um, there will certainly be a cost to that test. It may be carried out by your um, or paid by your health insurer, or it may have to be out of pocket. Medicare, on average, spends $200 per vitamin D test in the U.S. So. We don't have many other choices. And then there's going to be a copay when you go back to your doctor to get the results. <laughs> exactly. Read to you. Yeah. So it's prohibitively expensive, and for that reason, we actually often see um, governments or insurance companies just say, "Oh no, we just want to recommend to everybody take vitamin D, um, mm -hmm. and we're not going to test." Well, that's not personalized. Um, right. They don't know how much time I spend in the sun. Um, they don't know whether, or they may know, but it makes a difference if I'm living in Boston than if I'm in San Diego mm -hmm. um, in terms of my vitamin D status. So, you know, my solution or recommendation is that if we can encourage the development of these fast tests, um, and there are these types for, for what are the medical disease endpoint surrogates, so HDL cholesterol, glycosylated hemoglobin, blood glucose, all of those disease areas have rapid finger stick technologies mm -hmm. that, that people can buy or, or get access to at a much much more reasonable rate. So it's time we need that for vitamin D, we need that for for niacin, uh, vitamin B3, we need that for serum ferritin. Um, there's all of these other nutrients that are important for our health and the data from national surveys shows that an amazing number of us are deficient and we have even less data on who is really at optimal levels. Right, so beyond this access issue, which is a, a big issue, are there other reasons why supplement companies would not be getting into this personalized nutrition space? Well, I think, I mean, it's a transition in the model um, because it's really thinking about who's in the infrastructure and most of the supplement companies aren't at that point of care with consumers um, to really do the test. Um, so 
but I think they have a huge opportunity to really be involved in having testing coming and to really help build consumer and brand loyalty. Because if I know a company is engaged in me knowing what my vitamin level is and then helping me choose the appropriate product and then having a follow-up three months later to know um, that I have rectified my situation to be in optimal status. I mean, that's huge to me. Right, right. So if I'm a supplement owner, you know, and how do I further this, these medical devices, or I mean, what are my steps to take to help um, increase this market, market potential, and help these people gain better access? So most of these companies are startups, they're small. They're trying to get their devices approved as medical devices so that they can sell them. Um, that's an expensive and long, arduous trip. Um, it's better for nutrients because there already are substantially equivalent tests because it can be measured, vitamins levels can be measured um, by, required by a doctor's office. So. What I see is really helping them um, to test their devices or to help consumers see that there's testing, to help identify and publish studies showing the prevalence of people with suboptimal levels, um, to find partners. Um, I think this could be a great tool for dietitians in their practice mm -hmm. um, because they um, are challenged sometimes in the, by insurers to really demonstrate the added value or the improvement they have on health outcome. It's very difficult to show a change in a disease progression or incidence. Um, but it's really quite easy to show that I've seen 100 clients um, 30 percent or whatever number you want to make um, were, were suboptimal. Mm -hmm. These people, um, I gave them dietary advice or supplement advice. Um, I helped them know how they could find solutions. They went off for three months. They came back. I tested them again and 90 percent of those are now back in an, are now in an optimal range where they weren't. So you're suggesting the supplement brands partner with these practitioners? So I think they could partner in a research model at first initially mm -hmm. with practitioners. I think that there's um, most of the retail pharmacies have walk-in clinics. Mm -hmm. And in this day of online sales, bricks and mortar really want to have foot traffic. These tests are usually completed and you have the results in five to 15 minutes. That's the same amount of time that most consumers are in a, in a store or in a pharmacy shopping. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to think about coming in, having a finger stick, being tested, um, going to pick up the other things you need to, coming back to the clinic and them saying, this is what your status is. Um, you really should be looking at a vitamin that is higher than the recommended daily mm -hmm. allotment because you're pretty low or you're actually okay now. So why don't you just take the recommendation and continue doing that? Right. I think those would be wonderful for me, for me and for other consumers to know. Well, as a supplement brand is looking to partner with some of these um, other companies that offer these 
personalized nutrition tests. How can they know? How can they vet so they don't get into like a Theranos situation where it's a it's a, a not effective or even dangerous uh, type of system? If, especially you're just you yeah. said that these are startups. How is a supplement company to know? So it's a great question. Um, so the good news is that we're talking about doing nutrition biomarkers and status assessment. We're not talking about a, a prediction of a prognosis of a disease or treatment or mitigation of a disease through treatment. Um, these are on-site, so they'd be devices that are measuring status. You need to look and make sure that there is data that this company can show that their device um, repeatedly, reliably, accurately measures that nutrient in, in a blood sample, say a finger stick sample, um, that it has been, you know, has a relationship with a a true method that is being used in hospitals or other areas to, uh, of research expertise to measure that status. Um, and that it is also a biomarker um, that has universal acceptance. And so it, to me, it's easy for vitamins or for iron or zinc to um, because they have been measured. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're taking a new herbal or botanical um, or something that um, we don't really know what its function is. Mm -hmm. We do know what the function and what parts of metabolism vitamins and minerals are required for. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this podcast. It's really enlightening. Thank you very much, Sandy. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.